This is a quick disclaimer. Although the wise investor is trying to educate people on personal finance, what we talk about on the show is not actually financial advice for your personal and unique situation. Before trying to do anything with your money, always consult a professional. Hey, this is Anthony. And I'm Sal. And you're listening to the Wise Investor Podcast, where we help Canadians become more financially literate one post at a time. This is what they did not teach you in school. Do you know why people cheers, by the way? You know where that came from? No. It was back in the medieval times when like kings used to be poisoned all the time by like assassins. So they would cheers so that a little bit of the drink would go into yours and a little bit of your drink would go into mine so that if it was poisoned you would die too so they would do that that is a fun fact i did not know that yeah very very interesting (laughs) okay hello 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 and welcome to this week's episode of what they did not teach you in school today we have debbie turner from the turner real estate network and uh, she's become a good friend of ours as uh, she is a client and she's been gracious enough to come on to the podcast today to tell us a little bit about her story and to teach us a different point of view when it comes to real estate in Florida. So before we get started, just like to take some time to highlight our sponsors, King Street Media. They're the ones that do all of the production for us, the editing, and if anybody has anything that they need done for their business or know anybody that needs digital marketing services, you can hit up King Street Media on Instagram. They help with websites, advertising, and social media management and content creation. All right. Debbie, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thank Absolute you so pleasure. much for inviting me on the show. I hope that I can bring some value today. And it's, yeah. uh, I'm flattered that you asked me we've been we've been doing this podcast for a year and a half now this would be episode i believe 19 and all we do is we like to interview different people and we like to change it up because originally it was just my cousin and i we were financial planners and it can get boring because it's the same people talking all the time about personal finance our experience with entrepreneurship so recently we've been trying to change it up we've had people that are bloggers we've had uh, we have a comedian coming up which is going to be interesting mortgage brokers accountants different types of people in the entrepreneurship world in Toronto you are the first person the first entrepreneur outside of Canada to be on the show so it's It's representing I I needed like a little US flag to wave I think representing (laughs) the the big USA Mm. so uh, we're here in Sarasota right now and we're just going to get to know a little bit about you, yeah. just like we're having a coffee, what your story is, and then if you have any tips for our audience, that would be tremendous. Okay. okay. So let's get started just to know a little yeah. bit more about you. Where'd you grow up? What made you come to Sarasota? And also, what made you get into real estate? Okay. So um, I'm actually one of the unusual natives to Florida. I was born in Florida, in Ocala. Really? Yeah. It's okay. like uh, central Florida. Um, that's where my parents uh, went to high school and met. And then my dad joined the service, so um, I was an army brat. We traveled around a lot, Alaska, mm. Texas, Tennessee. In How the, long were you in Alaska for? Three years. Three years? Yeah. What's it like there? It's bitter cold. I mean, uh, Canada knows cold, but yeah. I mean, Alaska is, and again, I was a child, but I just remember, you know, like the typical, you're all wrapped up in this stuff, and then my mom would say, inevitably, I'd get all bundled up, and I've got to go to the bathroom, <laughs> you know, and you're like, un- like layers and layers and layers, and yeah, you yeah. know, that kind of thing, but yeah, it was very, very cold. I'd like to go back in as an adult, because mm-hmm. I have a lot of friends that cruise, and they go there, and it, it just looks beautiful, and I don't I remember. I have heard that. it is beautiful. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I love salmon, so, you know, mm. you can do that too, but. Okay. Yeah, so, um, but anyway, so we moved around quite a bit, and then in the military, uh, Fort Benning, Georgia is a huge hub for training, Mm -hmm. so my dad was stationed there in 1976, and um, my mom and I were there, and then he had two tours in Korea, Um, he was a MP there, and so the families couldn't come, so he had two tours where Mm -hmm. he went there, and so my mom and I had to stay back, and of course, that didn't bode well for a young marriage, and uh, they split, and so my mom and I stayed there. And that's where I grew up. I always wanted to come back to Florida. I've always been drawn to it. I love the beach. It's um, kind of feeds my soul, you know. It is beautiful here. Yeah. Mark and I have been doing some traveling around, and (sighs) 
Oh, anyways. Yeah, it's, um, you know, the Got sunsets it. and everything. It's just, it's kind of tough to get away from that. So I was like, oh, you know, I knew I wanted to come back. So I came back down in um, 93. Okay. And I, at what that What made you come back? Just the weather? Well, I oh, Georgia's yeah. not that cold either. No, Georgia's not that cold. I, at one point I was going to move to Atlanta. I, mm -hmm. um, I When I was working there, I had a, a girlfriend and we both just kind of wanted to get out of Columbus. And... We were going to go to Atlanta because that's where we would go weekend a lot and go, you know, as young people go up and party and stuff. And um, but there's Duly no noted. beach. No, no beach. No beach. Go so. to Columbia. <laughs> Atlanta. Columbus. Atlanta. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, get out of Columbus. <laughs> go to Atlanta. Yeah, okay. um, so we came down to Tampa just for like a getaway and just fell in love with the area. And so I was like, oh yeah, this is where I want to be. And her name is Margie. She's like, oh yeah, we're going to, you know, move there too. So um, we moved down. Um, and at that time, I was a hairdresser. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. And I was a I'd been a hairdresser for seven years in Columbus, and I had a, you know, I was really doing hair before I got into the school and everything to have a license to do it. So mm -hmm. I had a huge book of business. My friends, their moms, brothers, and stuff. It was I didn't realize how good I had it until I moved away and tried to start from scratch. Yeah, got it. So um, I had to reinvent <laughs> myself down here, and so I. The guy that I was dating at the time had a mortgage company. He goes, hey, you know, you need to get into mortgages. So I, I began as a processor, um, and I worked for a big bank here, um, Barnett Bank. I could see how probably being in hair. Yeah. Uh, uh, what do they say about uh, your hairstylist? You know, they're like your psychologist. They know things that most oh, people don't know. Oh, my gosh. You have no <laughs> idea. As a young woman, when I got in there, because the, the area where our salon was, there was a big um, affluent clientele. Mm-hmm. And the stuff that they would come in and talk about, I mean, I was just like blown. I didn't even know these things went on in my town, you uh -huh. know, and, but, and also stuff that I really couldn't relate to, you know, they're going to these galas and spending $3,000 on a, and this is like in 1988 on a dress that they're wearing, that they're never going to wear again. And I just couldn't relate to some of this stuff. So, but you, people, you'd be surprised what hairdressers know. I could, I can yeah. imagine my hairdresser, shout out to Ryan and Steph, <laughs> they know a lot yeah. about me. <laughs> yeah, I can see how that could help you also get into real estate too, because mm. it's a very customer focused kind of thing. Yes. You have to consult people through one of the biggest purchases of their life, you know, buying a house, and it could be very emotional and I can see the, the carryover right. of skill set there. Yes, absolutely, and I do draw from that quite a bit too. Mm. And and I think with any of the services, um, if you're providing any kind of service, you just have to be a good listener. That's so what true. anybody wants. And as a parent, you know, it's the same thing. You're just trying not to give too much advice all the time, but a lot of people mm. just want to be heard. Mm. They just want to know that you're really listening. So, Very true. Um, so then what, what made you get into real estate? It's really interesting because so many people come from different fields, but a mm -hmm. natural segue, at least in this area, is if anybody's been in the mortgage business or the title business, you know, we had kind of our downturn, 06, 07 here, the you big crash. That. That yeah. That must have been interesting. Yeah. Or that, not at the time. But. Yeah, it was pretty scary at the time. Mm -hmm. You know, you just kind of saw building projects dry up and like literally grass growing up through concrete mm. and whatnot. I'd love to elaborate a little bit on that because most of our audience are under the age of 35 and oh. they kind of were not of age during that period of time or yeah. not in the workforce. Right. So, and, and they, they don't know very much of what was going on during yeah. that time. I was in university. I kind of heard it through my dad who's an entrepreneur in Southern Ontario. What was which was really hit hard because they were heavy in automotive okay. and that industry was killed during the recession. But what were some things that like give us an idea of what the, the job market was and what the, and the like real estate market was, especially in Florida during that time? Well, for like our experience just in this area, because we're like a heavy construction, two cities, actually Bradenton, Sarasota, all the way down to Naples pretty much. So all of ours, we had so much new construction going on. You know, Lakewood Ranch right now is the number one planned unit development in the nation. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that started getting built like 1996, really started uh, getting, yeah, it, that was still newer, but it was really, really heavy in like 2003, four and five. Mm. So you just saw, you know, home sites going up like crazy, neighborhoods being bought, cows where there were farms were moved, and then these new communities with amenity centers and gates and, and all of this going up. And so the people that lived here locally that were maybe in a home that was 20 years old mm -hmm. were wanting to move into those. But then we also had a migration of the baby boomers that are coming from New Jersey, New York. They're selling, 
you know, getting cash for their homes that they've lived in the whole years they were working, mm -hmm. coming down with a cash payout and paying cash for these. So hmm. the prices were elevating. And, but what was happening is there was also a lot of people that were coming down as investors. Um, they were wanting to buy them and flip them or they were wanting uh. to buy them and rent them. So there was kind of like a false market of demand. And so when everything went sideways, it, we were all scared how long it was going to take for that to turn around. Mm -hmm. Now what we're seeing, and, and you hear people talking about, oh, there's going to be a recession, right. there's going to be a crash, and mm -hmm. there's this and that. There's actually a real demand for these homes now because, and you guys have kind of been driving around the area, you see all the, the apartments that are here. Mm -hmm. There's still a lot of people, even like your age group and, and mine as well, that their credit scores were hit. Mm -hmm. So they have to rent right now because maybe sure. they were in a foreclosure situation or their um, credit went sideways because they lost work or they weren't working in their same field and were making less. Mm -hmm. So those people have to still rent for a while. But yeah, and, and the thing is, is also during that surge where it's coming back up, the um, housing starts, they're still so far behind. We're supposed to have, I want to say it's like a million and a half housing starts a year, like because of the population, but they weren't building. So there's still going to be a big demand and that's why the apartments are here also. So, cause there's just not enough houses for everyone. I see. And how is that different than what happened in 2007, 2008? Well, what's happening now is there's actually real bodies and, and primary residences. Hmm. The people are buying in for that. It's not for an investor. It's not for somebody to flip. Um, they're not buying it to set on it. It's people that are actually coming here to live and, and the work. Lending, are the lending rules different? Because if, you, if you've watched The Big Short, I don't know if you watched that I movie. have watched The Big Short. There was like no no income verification mortgages, no yes. down payments, stuff like that. And that's what really drove that speculation for the housing market there because well, everyone was outbidding each other. And I can speak to that from experience too because as I was telling you, I started out as a mortgage processor. Mm -hmm. When I got my mortgage broker's license in 2002, mm -hmm. I worked for Countrywide. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's so, the big bad guy. Let me movie. tell you something. No. And so Andrew Mazzillo, yeah. the, he's the CEO. Um, it was his dream that everyone should own a home. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, everyone. Mm. So, you know, so I know that for a fact, and I was just like in the, um, we call them like the vanilla loans, the, uh, and even even there, we were doing stated income, stated assets, no income, no assets. So Cisa those, and Nina. <laughs> for those that don't know, before I started at the bank, I only heard rumors of this. But people would come in, and the mortgage person would uh -huh. say, "How much do you make?" And uh, you know, you would say, "Oh, mm -hmm. I make two hundred thousand dollars a year." And I'd just be like, "Okay." Here's your mortgage, kind yeah. of like same day kind of thing. Right. That cannot happen now, especially in Toronto. The lending rules mm -hmm. are extremely tight, and I hear it's happening. Uh, mm -hmm. The same thing is happening in Florida, which is a good thing. No, it is, and so <clears throat> we had Countrywide. Our subprime company that was still owned by Countrywide was called Full Spectrum. Okay, and so their <laughs> logo was like a, a pyramid, like a prism with rainbows going through. Mm -hmm. Like literally, you go okay. If we couldn't do their credit score and the 200,000, whatever, yeah. they would go over there and the rates and the points and everything were, you know, stacked on, but you could still get a mortgage no matter who you were. If you had like a, a social security number <laughs> and a job yeah. and bloodletting, you know, you could, <laughs> you could get a house. It was, it, I, I knew that at that time I was like, I wasn't a part of any of this subprime, but I, I knew that I would look and they wouldn't fit into my criteria. And I knew that they would go get a loan over there. It was very scary. Wow. I, w I thought for sure that I would see people that I worked with go to jail. <laughs> no joke. And no one did go to jail, though. Nobody that I knew did, hmm. no. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Wow, that's an, that's a, that's an, no, that's it was. an amazing experience right yeah, there. Yeah, it was. Okay. When you first became a realtor, did you start? You started with the Turner Real Estate Network, right? Yeah, so um, actually, we were, uh, Ray and I were, my husband and I, he, we run this together and mm -hmm. we started off as a husband and wife team at Keller Williams. Mm -hmm. And so that's where we kind of cut our teeth in real estate. And uh, Ray also has a mortgage background. He uh, ran the state of Florida for MNI Bank. And then Bank of Montreal bought them out. And I think there were maybe Bank some executives. Bank of Montreal, yeah, Canadian BMO. represent. Yeah, I think uh, there were some executives there that wanted to get their toes in the sand. And mm -hmm. so, you know, <laughs> his position got moved, <laughs> moved the cheese. And so he reinvented himself as well too. And that's when he got into real estate. So anyways, we started at Keller Williams, mm -hmm. a husband and wife team. And then we had it one, was just the two of you at yep, that time. And one administrator, okay. um, because all of the 
teachings and everything that we learned through Caleb Williams, that's kind of like the first thing that you do. I would love to hear what the decision-making process for that was because before um, a lot of my coaches and mentors in the past have said, you know, you have to hire an administrator, especially in the sales industry, mm -hmm. such as like insurance, wealth management, real estate. You should hire an administrator before you can afford it kind of a thing. Correct. Because if you can't afford one, that means you can't afford not to have one. Right. But I'd love to hear your perspective on what that decision-making process, especially because the two of you, one of you could have done admin and one of you could have been out there doing the transactions. What was your decision on to bring that on? It's interesting that you say that too because I've always been drawn to the administrator. I love like the organizing piece of it and stuff because I know that it saves time mm -hmm. and saving time in commission-based businesses save money. Right. I just feel like it was a decision we both made because we knew that we could pay somebody $15 an hour to do the work that we, you know, in our first year realized that we're worth $300 an hour. You're right. You know, so, but it's, it's really scary when you're, it's, you know, um, we always talk to people when they're coming into real estate because they watch things on TV and they're like, oh, you know, realtors make all this money and, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it's it's likely that you might not get your first check for the first six, nine months. That's, you know, you need to have like a stockpile. You are to do not that. the first person to bring that up on this podcast. And especially people looking to get into real estate yeah. because a lot of people in, in Toronto as well want to become realtors and they think it's so glamorous and you right. make a crap ton of money, but yeah, uh, not necessarily true, especially when you start off. And that's our, being an entrepreneur in general. Right. So, yeah. No, that's so true. So, so yeah, so we, it was just something we knew we had to do and I would recommend that to anybody. In fact, if you're, if you're taking the leap to be a real estate agent um, and you're not joining a team right away, you want to, you know, go on as a, a single agent, I would recommend that you budget accordingly and you, you try to have that right out of the gate because you're going to accelerate so much faster if you can do that. That's good advice. That's yes. good advice. Okay, so then what made you want to go from that two-person uh, two husband and wife squad with the admin yeah. to creating your own team and then eventually your own brokerage? Yeah. What was that? Um, well, so what we realized is that, um, you know, we have different strengths mm -hmm. on the team. And so the, if you run this like a business, you want to hire to your strengths. So Ray is really good at creating relationships and especially like for us, we're very builder centric. We concentrate on, on new construction here quite a bit. So Ray's good at going out and creating relationships there. Um, if you're working with a lot of buyers, you have to have a lot of time. And so we hired an administrator first and then we hired our first buyer's agent. And that can be somebody that's, you know, just entering in. Or sometimes it can be somebody seasons. Maybe they don't like working, you know, with sellers and they just only want to work with buyers. So it can be good. You just, you find somebody that that's what they love doing. Mm -hmm. Because if you put the right people in place on your team and they're doing what they love to do and that allows you to do what you really love to do, that's when the magic starts happening. I like that. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Something that we're really big on, especially with our team back in Toronto, is that um, uh, you have to, there's different types of intelligences out there. You know, there's an uh, IQ, emotional intelligence, there's interpersonal skills, even mm. in, and one is intrapersonal skills. So knowing yourself and what you're good at. And yes. uh, so that's really important as well for success because if you think you're good at something and you're, uh, and you don't know how to delegate, right? Or yes. build a team around you that, are to your weaknesses, then that could be to your detriment, you know? So I agree with that hundred mm -hmm. percent. Yeah. So eventually then you started your own brokerage and yep. now you have a team of how many people? Uh, we currently have 15 licenses hung here. Holy. Yeah. That Two is... of those are administrators. So, um, the way we wanted to set that up, our, our operations manager, she actually has her broker's license. Okay. So she's a broker associate. That's mm -hmm. um, what's considered here. And then our listing manager, she was in Las Vegas at Keller Williams for 10 years and she was a real estate agent there. Mm -hmm. She moved here and she also has her license. So our support staff can answer any question to anybody that's calling in. And that is very comforting because we're out, you know, on the street a lot and, yeah. and at other appointments and stuff. And we always want our clients or anybody calling in to have a real person that they can talk to and they don't have to wait to speak to us. That's important. Yes. A lot of like accountants and lawyers and stuff, it's like impossible to get a hold yeah. of them. But in our, in this line of work, right? Yes. It's, it's a people a, business. Yeah. yeah. You gotta be, a, you, the people are your clients. You have to be available for them. Right? Yeah. And, and to your point too, it's a very emotional business. It's financial, it's emotional. Um, mm -hmm. 
you know, if whenever you're dealing with money and emotions and stuff, that is like the perfect storm. And, you know, people need answers and you need to be able to comfort them and walk them through the process. And um, every transaction has something. Yeah. There's always, I don't want to call it a problem, but it's an opportunity, <laughs> you know? Um, so, a little Robin Sharma. Yes, got to throw a little Robin Sharma in there. Represent the Toronto. Yeah, so, um, but, you know, it. If something's going too smooth, we're like, okay, what's well, going to happen? There's, mm -hmm. If this is just going too perfectly, there's going to be, you know, something that goes on. So, yeah, you want to be, you need a real person, not a text, not an email, but you need phone calls. And If there was one piece of advice that you'd give to a budding entrepreneur out there right now who's trying to build a successful team, what would that be? Um, I, I think I would have to disagree with um, what you're saying is a, a partner or the team is just people that you're hiring, whatever... Um, walks of life or you know history background work experience they come from is that everyone's aware hmm. um, if you know and somebody can say oh you know trust is a big thing too and trust is good you need somebody that you can trust but yeah. having somebody that um, you can come to with a problem or something that's not going well and they can hear that information and go yeah okay that's me and that's something I can work on because um, it, not everybody's great at everything and so even in our office you know we'll have inevitably it's sales and support you know oh mm -hmm. they're not turning their paperwork in or they're not you know dotting their eyes and crossing these there's always little things that go on like that but it's not in ours especially I'm always so relieved when we go to talk to somebody and we say oh you know we need to work on this and they're like oh yeah you're right mm. that is just I mean I, I've been in corporate a lot and sometimes people get very defensive and right. they don't want to hear and that's an opportunity for growth. Yeah, development, um, a, develop, a yeah. development mindset, right? Yeah, it is. And if you, it, but if you have people that are aware and want to like continually learn and grow and be better and master their portion of the team, I mean, I think that's worth anything. You can train anybody to do anything, but just that, that somebody's open to. Could not agree more. That's very yeah. good. All right. And now I want to change gears a little bit yeah. here and talk about uh, social media and digital marketing because I know the Turner real estate team over here is really big in that and they've adopted it over the last two years. Yeah. What have you seen? Because how long has have you been in real estate for? Uh, since 2015, July. Okay. So mm -hmm. before then or when you started, what was social media like then? And then what transition have you seen over the last almost five years now? as the digital revolution has come yeah. and what made you kind of, cause you're ahead of the curve of what people are doing right now online. Yeah. So what made you dive full fledged into that? Well, we could probably be a case study because yeah. I don't even think I had Facebook till like 2010. <laughs> I mean, I saw it and I was like, Oh man, that looks like a big time suck. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get on there and dive in, you know, meet all my friends from high school. It's just going to be, you know, this great, and it can be, you, you do have to be careful with a little bit. Yeah, very true. Um, but it's just, it's like one of the greatest inventions out there ever. I think the, the way it connects people. Mm -hmm. Um, I, when I did get on there, I think I connected all the way back to somebody in second grade, <laughs> which is and all of our like old little neighborhood and stuff. It's just amazing. Um, so I, we kind of started out with that when we formed our team, um, Ray, my husband, we started getting into some videos, like shooting uh, listings and just uh, things in the area. And we didn't know what we were doing. We just, you know, it was kind of his ideas like, hey, you know, That's there's people. Yeah, especially people coming from other states or other countries. Mm -hmm. They love to see what's going on in Florida and, you know, just kind of giving them a little more information than just looking at still photos going by. So mm -hmm. that was, you know, 2015. So we in 2015, Facebook wasn't even doing ads at that time oh, Instagram right? was still just on its way up so very very new I haven't even had Instagram but maybe a year so I don't even <laughs> I don't even know when yeah, that came you, around you but guys have adopted it fully especially for yeah. business and that's what yeah and that's what a lot of people out there really want to know about is uh, how can you use social media in order to grow business and revenue right yeah no and I think you know specifically for us so it's it started with like the video tours and things like that and then um, yeah. it was great because we had um, a really young team um, that was not afraid to get on camera and was, you know, very personal and would, you know, just jump right on and, and That's start. That's important. Yeah, it was. And so we, we built a, a good local presence and a, and a good following. And, and not only just from, um, like, our friends or people that, you know, everybody likes to look at houses and stuff, but actually from other realtors. Um, I know that some of our early days, some of the videos we had, 
Um, we found out that the local MLS who was like training on social media would show our videos and go, this really? is what you need to be doing. Really? So that's great. Yeah. What a nice compliment, you know, and, and again, we were just kind of stumbling around with it a little bit, but um, when we started getting um, leads and feedback and stuff from some of the posts that we were doing, mm -hmm. then we knew we were onto something. Got it. Yeah. Did and you have any inspiration from a couple people like uh, out there, maybe Gary Vaynerchuk or anybody that really you Gary. saw them and you and that pushed you over the edge? Yeah. We well, actually, we started looking at that quite a bit, and then you know when we hired our social media team, mm -hmm. that's when everything started to change. You know, we had kind of just been dabbling, putting our toe in it not really knowing what we were doing, but just knowing mm -hmm. that we needed to do social media. That's the thing is like everybody, I don't know what I'm doing, but I know <laughs> I need to do it. What do I need to do? But you yeah, know, yeah. it's, it, it, you need to go a lot deeper with that because there really are like critical times to post. Mm -hmm. There are times to, you know, um, post certain types of content to get the most followers and, and the most views and everything. So um, we still don't have all the answers and that's why we have a team of professionals that yeah you know, guide us and coach us into what we need to be doing. But, and it's not just for real estate, but I think any business, um, if you have somebody that you can designate to do that, even if it's just a few hours a week, if you're just, uh, you're, uh, you're an entrepreneur and it's just you and maybe your spouse or your son or somebody, if you can just take a few hours a week to, to designate, to do some time for there, I, it's amazing the results that you can you get. You know that I'm a hundred percent on that. Yeah. It's because if you're not on social media right now, within the next five years, it's going to be a lot harder to catch up to everybody yeah. else. And the people that start off early, obviously like yourself, is going to have a head start on everyone else in the land grab that is people's attention online. So yeah, very interesting. Okay. All right. So um, let's take a little, another uh, side turn. You and I over drinks the other day were and you're extremely fun to go out with thank you for <laughs> thank you me so around. are you <laughs> thank you for showing me around and mark sarasota anytime, anytime. Um, a big thing that's happening right now with millennials is the whole modern team is uh, speaking about working remotely mm -hmm. and we were chatting about this because even with my team back in toronto as well where we say why spend money on an office space when you everyone can nowadays, even in real estate too, and a lot of jobs nowadays don't require you to be physically present in an office. Yeah. And the cons are obviously the, the cost and people having to drive in, because I know some of your team has to drive all the way in here. It takes like half an hour. Yeah. That's an hour every single day. That's seven hours a, or five hours a week. You know, yes. that's like a whole day's worth of work that they could allocate to other things. So, I just want to hear what your mindset on is on that and what do you think the pros are of having a, an office space and if you think that it is valid that people don't do office spaces anymore. I, I know that people listening or there's going to be some people that disagree with me but, yeah, that's fine. but what we found was so we, we had our first office um, it was a small office it was like 10 minutes from our house um, and a lot closer for our agents mm -hmm. um, so that was in like Bradenton like closer to Lakewood Ranch yeah. um, as we wanted to grow and build out our team we really wanted to have a Sarasota presence and for us in this market Sarasota can be very clicky and you know you can talk to business owners on Main Street. It, 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 there is just like a, a you know sense of uh, local people just really want that. So what we were finding is that we weren't able to recruit Sarasota agents to our Bradenton office. Makes sense. But it works fine the other way around. So um, we started looking for space. It's costly. Um, you know we we wanted something a, a good fun environment, and we mm -hmm. really you know kind of toiled around with this because. There are companies that are coming here and people are working remotely and, and they're pulling agents, you know, they're coming over there, they're working from home and maybe they feel like they're getting more done. But for Ray and I, because we both came from corporate, we were just finding that we really wanted a place like where we could have a sense of belonging. And um, what we found is that, you know, we, we've got a nice space downtown and you can be more creative, you can be more collaborative and we're finding that the agents still want to come in. Yeah. You know, even if it's just for a little while and it's not every day, but to have a place where you can come and you can have meetings and I like nice surroundings. Um, it, I feel like I'm more creative, I'm more productive. I agree. And then it also makes a good first impression when people come in. If you have a nice relaxed place, you know, we have our latte machine and we always have beer and wine <laughs> here and because um, you spend a lot of time here, yeah. you know, and especially for our administrators, I wanted a place that's nice for them, a good environment where, um, you know, there's just. When, when Mark and I first started in our office, 
okay, just north of Toronto. Uh, the, all the walls were this like weird blue, and uh, maybe we'll Alfio will pop up a blue <laughs> wall to show from back in the day. And Mark used to go insane, especially during oh, the no. winters. <laughs> Cooped inside this like room, all blue. Mark was going insane, and he made me uh, made us like paint the walls because oh. your surroundings is important for your mental health, especially if you're spending you know seven to ten hours a day working in, a, in an environment. It should be a place that fosters yes. uh, like mental health and that creativity that you need. Right? Well, and I know you're a numbers guy too, so if yeah. you do the math, we spend the majority of our lives in the office. Very true. You right. know, there's that many hours. So um, I, I actually worked downtown for four years for an accountant in mm -hmm. forensic accounting mm -hmm. um, immediately before I got my license. And there were no windows. Um, it was a cool building, you know, like the rest of the um, brick walls and everything. Mm -hmm. But I remember at the end when I was just like, I can't do this anymore. I, I, I have to be someplace where there's windows. As Ray and I were looking for space, in Lakewood Ranch there was you know, all the shiny new buildings and malls that are going up and stuff, but there were no windows. It was just like a front window and then these long hallways. And I'm like, I can't do that to anybody. Yeah. I, we've got to have that's some like places. A, that's like a jail right there. Yeah, yeah. We need to see a little bit of nature, some trees or you know, people walking by. Um, I think just think that's a better look and it's also the uh, the collaboration aspect too I'm really big on that because some of our best ideas Mark and I's best ideas when we're at the office comes from those serendipitous moments in yeah. between meetings or you know 30 minutes before we go home where we're just bouncing ideas off yep. of each other sometimes there's beer and alcohol involved yes uh, sometimes very juicing. necessary <laughs> <laughs> but that does help uh, yeah and if we if we were working remote and we just jumped on a phone call or whatever yeah. the case is then you wouldn't have that because it would be phone call done everyone yeah. goes back on their days and then also people say you're more productive because you get to just get out of bed and start working but being at home, there's a lot of distractions. hundred percent. So that could actually yeah. be a negative thing. Yeah. Now, I actually think it's somewhere in between though, between mm -hmm. like working remote and having the freedom to come and go when you want, but having like a HQ, like a headquarters yeah. where everyone can still meet. But it's yeah. an interesting topic. I'm yeah, and I to think, see how that goes. Yeah, and I think uh, you were asking earlier, like for a, a new agent that's coming in, I 100% agree that a brand new agent should never accept uh, working at a brokerage where you're working from home. They need to be in an office. They need to overhear those conversations. They will learn so much listening to seasoned agents and how they're dealing with opportunities. That's really good. I like <laughs> you that. Know, that's if, very true. I, I, if that's a really good piece of advice. Do, as a new agent, the, the first couple of years, do not do that. You need to be in an office where you hear you know, those conversations and you hear about things going mm -hmm. on. You're going to learn so much more and you're going to elevate your learning. Very you know. true. What is one thing that you know now that you wish you knew as an entrepreneur starting off? Oh gosh, um, wow, there's probably a lot of things. I, you know, one thing I would say is that uh, as a business owner, because you can get so caught up in so many details and stuff that you really have to find time for some quiet time um, hmm. and to meditate and to get away from your phone and any distractions um, because it's, you know, you guys are business owners too. It, it really can be 24-7, especially yeah. if you're even passionate. When you go, even when you go home, your mind is racing. It's like almost important for you to actually block off. This is an hour where yes. I am not doing anything business related. Yeah. it's And even like, you know, when we vacation and stuff, it's really so hard because I think mm. An entrepreneur that really finds their passion and something that they love to do because we love real estate. I mean, it's just 24/7, and I don't think of it in a bad way. That oh my gosh, it's you know we we wonder sometimes what our life was like before real estate. You know, and sometimes our kids when they were still at home would watch us and we're like, oh maybe you guys want to get into real estate, and they're like, no way. You know, we're not going to do what you guys do. But you know, when you love it, it doesn't feel like work, and you're excited about I think building and growing and 
this new opportunity that's coming up, you know, what can yeah. we do and how can we perfect this and how can we tweak this and who can we help and who can we bring into the fold and what businesses can we layer into our network and s help our friends grow and watch them, you know, mm -hmm. it's exciting and it feels good to be a part of something like that. I think all the entrepreneurs out there are feeling that, I agree with you, yeah. because it's, it's that passion. When you're passionate about it, you don't want to do anything else and that could be unhealthy. If no, you, if it can. It too far. And that's what I'm saying, I, you know, just to find a little quiet time or, you know, for me it's really important to connect with nature or, you know, if I go for a walk in the morning, I don't take my phone with me and I just listen to the birds or, you know, do something like that because you can just, you know, be in your phone all the time or mm -hmm. looking up something all the time and it's, it kind of happens that way when you yeah. want to, you know, keep building something. But yeah, I just, that's my thing is just like, I really do have to take it back sometimes. To build off of this, I would love to know uh, uh, a big topic that I like to ask entrepreneurs is what is your uh, nighttime routine and morning routine? So um, morning, when I get up, I, it's really interesting. I have, um, it's like my goals set. I have it all typed out on a page. And uh, like every morning, as soon as I get up, I read that um, because I like want my subconscious mind working for me. And yeah. so that's the first thing I do when I wake up. I read that. And it's what I do right before I lay down and hit the pillow. Nice. Um, so then I'm up. It's coffee. I like to exercise a little bit in the morning and I always try to have a good breakfast. That's really important. If I don't do those things, um, some kind of physical activity and breakfast in the morning, it just kind of sets the tone for the whole day. Mm -hmm. um, Nutrition is really important there. I agree. See, the start of your day is super important. How about your, your phone? So, do you like to keep that away from you during uh, you the morning? You know what? I do. I, I try not to look at it the first hour that I'm up mm -hmm. um, and I try to get a few things done because it's so easy, as we were just talking about, to, one thing goes into another and then you're checking social media and all yeah, of that. I, yeah. I feel like that has to have a time and a place and it's it's very important to have that, but not first thing in the morning. Yeah. Um, so I try to wait till about eight o'clock before I, I check in there. Um, nighttime, um, I change the setting on my phone so it's got like the amber color because you're not supposed mm -hmm. to have like the an hour before you go to bed, the yeah. blue light or whatever. I found that that helps a lot, but I, I try not to watch TV or anything that's too stimulating like that. And I meditate um, every night. There's an app uh, called oh, Headspace. I, I have that one. Very good. So yeah, so I've um, I'm up. I think I have like 2,500 minutes meditated now. <laughs> and when I first started it, which you probably experienced too, I don't like I do the 10 minute segments, and mm -hmm, so it's like mm -hmm. I would do the 10 minute segments, but eight minutes I was distracted. That <laughs> and you, happens. And you're like, I don't really know if this is doing anything. And now here I am, like a year or so later, mm -hmm. um, I feel like. I only get distracted a minute or two and I'm really focused for the eight minutes and I don't know what it is I'm getting from that but as soon as I do that and I like spray lavender in my room I just start to like chill out and then I can drop off to sleep and it's sweet yeah like it's that. really nice all right so Forbes magazine came out with this article all right and it was in early this year and it was talking about 2018 right mm. and that it said that a statistic that more than ever women are starting and running companies with 40% which is the highest that it's ever been 40% of businesses started in 2018 being started by women why do you think that is wow I don't know I mean you know for me personally I there was a time there's about a um, eight-year time that I was home raising our children mm -hmm. and Ray was working which is that stereotype yeah it was and and I look back on that sometimes now, and, I, and that was like the hardest job I ever had. You know, I they can were both imagine. Little, they people, both in people diapers. People downplay that. No, they really do. And I think that women generally, you know, they say that we multitask and things like that. But I, I think about uh, stay-at-home moms are kind of like the CEOs of the family. Mm -hmm. And I think that you just kind of learn to be really organized. And I think really good business leaders are organized. And then, of course... The majority of women, and, and there's a lot of men too, but they just like have that emotional side. Mm -hmm. And so I think if you couple somebody that's organized, somebody that's driven, that wants to feed their family, and you know, the, I always thought of like my kids when I was working, like little birds on the nest, you know, and I'm, you know, you're speeding, yeah, you know. <laughs> and so um, I think that they just make really good leaders if they they can come in. I think, at, at least for me, I'm I try to be. Um, you know, show my weakness a little bit and, mm -hmm. and my softer side and that I'm not uh, great at everything. And I think sometimes that, um, for men, sometimes they come in, it's, it's a little harder for them to 
maybe show a weaker side or they, they have to feel like they can dominate everything. Yeah. And in our business, so especially like in residential, that's mostly dominated by women. Hmm. Commercial is still more men, at least in our area. There are some women that come in, but that's more dominated by men. Women really dominate real estate. They always have. And so um, at least in our market for a woman to come in and, and be an entrepreneur and own a business here, it's just like a natural segue for that. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the other women that are starting different businesses, they want to have the flexibility to work from home or they can kind of set their own hours, yeah, their own income. Um, yeah. So to build off of that, because, you know, this may, it's 2019 now. So, you know, racism, chauvinism, these types of things are supposedly the past. Right, right. right. But people still hear about the income gap between women and, you know, it's a men's world out there and ego is a really big thing. Have you ever come across that in your experience working in entrepreneurship, especially in, you know, real estate where it could be a, uh, lack of a better word, a dick swing competition? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what? It's, I know there's like this heightened awareness of, uh, and hopefully this doesn't offend anybody, but you know, the I am woman, hear me roar and, mm -hmm. and some of those things out there now. Honestly, I haven't really come across anything like that. To, to be perfectly honest, the only trouble that I had in a couple of roles that I had coming up were with other women. Mm. Um, I hear women can be nasty yeah, with each other. Yeah, we can be, yeah. <laughs> um, I, those, I, and it was just like two instances, but um, I've always, I feel like if I can give some advice to any young woman or any woman out there that's, that wants to be an entrepreneur, you don't have to come in like, guns a blazing and be hard mm -hmm. um, there's so many like if you ask my husband about that like with me too um, I he says I'm a lot like his mom that you know we kind of have like the back door approach like things <laughs> just kind of go smooth and the next thing you know he just got like sideswiped and I got him to do what I wanted him to do oh, but geez I've but, been in a couple of relationships where that's the case but not in a forceful way <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know you don't you don't have to be forceful you can be kind you can be gentle and still get your your point across, like uh, Tony Dungy, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so there's a coach, soft-spoken guy, amazing, mm -hmm. you know. And then you can have somebody else that's like really hard, like in your face, that's spitting on you, and you know, there's different things, but they still get the same job done. I think in sport that's called finesse. Okay. Yeah, and the, and so yeah, finesse that, that'd be a good word for it, but oh, I don't know. Yeah, that's okay. I'm gonna hit you up with a couple. We're coming up on the end of these sure. last couple questions here. Um, so for those out there, big book reader, that people know that I love books and always giving book recommendations, two book recommendations for those out there and why? Two book recommendations. Uh, so one of my all-time favorites is uh, Think and Grow Rich. Okay, that Pauline is a Hill. staple. Everyone, I've been telling Mark to read yeah, that for a while now. I've read it two or three times. You can, it's actually on audio too on YouTube. Mm -hmm. There's... Uh, many books are so what if you're in your car and you just don't think you can get to it i, yeah. I like to read i still like paper books Same. i will listen, about it yeah i will listen to audio but i still love that and that's where i implemented my uh goals that i write down every day mm -hmm. is actually from that book um mm -hmm. it's so good um the other one i just finished recently is the 5 a.m club robin sharma robin sharma we know we're big fans club. i yeah, love everyday sure. sharma gotta have some <laughs> sharma. Everyday sharma that is a very good book and i'm actually um going to start at the, at the very end of that there's a free 66 day uh, web connection that you can go to that there's oh, cool. additional coaching from him so Ray and I are going to start that on Monday sweet yeah very cool I want to hear how that goes yeah so building Turner real estate the team that that it is now 15 agents yeah crazy that's a lot of responsibility uh, what's been your biggest challenge that you've had to overcome and what got you through it actually you know, I can't, for, yeah, I, I would say uh, we opened our own brokerage mm -hmm. uh, in 2017 because um, in Florida there were some state uh, regulations that were changing. So um, if you had a team or a group mm -hmm. or things like that, in your branding, you couldn't state that. You couldn't say like Turner Real Estate Network. You couldn't have real estate in there. You couldn't have home group um, because what was happening is 
buyers and sellers would look to these teams and think that they were a broker. Hmm. So all of that was going to have to change. So we had branded ourselves for two okay. years. I heard about this. Yeah, and so we were going to have to change all that up. So I approached Ray. I don't like taking tests. I, I get nervous. And so I was like, hey, we need to get our broker's license, meaning you need to take the test. Yeah. And he's a great test taker. So I was like, you know, why don't we, you get your broker's license. We'll open our own brokerage. So that's what we did. Uh, we opened the brokerage um, December 1st, yep. 2017. And then uh, December 13th, 2017, I got diagnosed with breast cancer. Whoa, one week later. Yes. That's so it was, uh, that was very, that was our, our biggest challenge there. So we had, you know, just gotten everything together, hired our administrative team, you know, we're moving some agents over with us. Wow. That um, must have been tough on you, uh, Ray, and like yeah, it was, family too. That, that was tough. And so, um, you know, we'd only been open a week, got hit with that and just, you know, had to start chemo and the whole thing. So I didn't actually get to work in our company at our business um, until the summer of 2018. Wow. So Ray had to take care of everything and um, that was really hard you know we're just getting going and you know mm -hmm. the excitement that you can hear that I have for real estate and everything to have to lay back and you know on the sidelines and and not be a part of our dream and what we were doing wow. and also there's that but then also focusing on yourself to get better right and right. you look good now thank you thank <laughs> you yeah I'm 100% I'm well I'm, I'm good and 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 how I got through that was of course you know my husband my family um, our support staff here, Nicole, I kind of call her uh, Ray's work wife, you know, <laughs> she was here. Um, she took care of everything so that I could rest and heal and then, of course, just an outpouring from friends and and everybody So else. that social support was really important. Yeah, and that's when I got into the meditation. Okay, so yeah, yeah mindset must have been an important thing too. Uh, How do you stay positive during oh a time my gosh. like that? You know, I'm telling you right now, anybody that's <laughs> listening that's going through that, that is the most important thing because if you get cancer, you think, it's the kiss of death and, yeah. and you can really like get into a hole and, and also going through chemo really puts you in a bad mental state. It's, yeah. it's dark. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, oh. it's really tough. And so the best advice that I got from someone who was going through throat cancer yeah. was that you need to connect with nature every day. Hmm. So even if you're, you know, I got very sick from the chemo and stuff. And, um, if you're, you know, curled up in the bed and you don't want to hear sound or you need it to be dark, mm -hmm. get up, walk, just to the mailbox and back just just do that and i even there was days i did not feel like doing that sadly mm -hmm. i can um, imagine i did it and then as i would get stronger before the next treatment i would walk around the block mm -hmm. and you know it, it was just so important so um yeah wow what a story thank yeah. you for sharing that <laughs> you're welcome yeah it. um okay uh i'm gonna ask one more question for you before we wrap up uh, two more questions yeah. actually but so what people People, whenever they look back, they wish they, they were in a different mindset. Like when I was like 20 years old, uh, the things that I thought and worried about were now that I look back, I go, you know, don't worry uh, about that kind of right. stuff, right? Because life's too short or, you know, things will work out. But if you could, if your 25-year-old self was sitting here across the table from you, mm -hmm. what piece of advice would you give her? Don't be afraid of anything. you got nothing to lose. Like I, I think my... Uh, and also like from reading Robin Sharma's stuff too, like you just don't want to be, you know, on your last hours of life and go, wow, why didn't I do that? Why didn't I, mm -hmm. you know, try that opportunity? And I think fear holds people back so much. And um, when you're at that age and, and younger, you're like always afraid of what people are going to think or you're afraid of failing. And if you don't try anything, to me, that's the biggest failure. So true. People always regret what they didn't yeah. do. Yeah. Right? And, and I was one of those people. I was afraid. I was afraid of taking tests. I was afraid of, you know, trying something new. I don't want to, I'm afraid of what people think. And, you know, and I think probably going through cancer and stuff like that too, it, mm -hmm. um, it, as bad as it was, it gave me some other insights to myself and, and how I want to live my life and have other experiences. You know, I, I used to be in my phone a lot and stuff and I really don't do that as much now. And I never did it during meal time, mm -hmm. but I find that I try to give all of my attention to whoever I'm with, whoever I'm sitting with. I, I want to make sure that when they walk away from that, that they felt like they got 100% of my time and of, of my attention. I like that. Okay. All right. I asked this question to everybody and uh, it kind of came to me because uh, a friend of mine, he's an electrician. Okay. And 
uh, I was I was listening to this book or whatever it was from a Buddhist monk saying that we take the normal things everyday life for granted such as turning on a light bulb you know and he's an electrician so whenever I flick on a light the light just turns on and I just I every morning I flick it on and it works and I open up my refrigerator and it works you know and I don't know how it works um, so something that I like to ask every person is that uh, in everyone's field they usually master a skill and they know things that other people don't know so being a realtor being a female entrepreneur going through the things that you have um, what's one thing that you know that other people may not know uh, that you wish that the majority of people would be more aware of oh boy how much time do we have, we have, <laughs> we have as much time as you know um, no I'll just say real quick um, I, I would say just for me because especially in our area here so our our population between Bradenton and Sarasota is probably just under a million mm -hmm. I want to say currently there's about 8,000 licensed realtors mm -hmm. okay so uh, probably about 5% of that is actually doing business and other people are entering in they might do one or two deals a year um, so for those that are listening that are mainly work with buyers what I'd like for them to know is that if you're showing a property and there's a seller that's uh, owner-occupied have some manners and show up for the appointments and when you leave our our systems here it's very easy to say that you've you've left for the showing there's so many times in our industry where people will set up showings and for example I had I can name many but there's like one that I can think of where there was a dad that had to come home with his daughters and collect the dog and either like take them for ice cream or go for a ride and stuff and many many times people just don't even show up <laughs> so we're calling are you still coming to the show oh no I forgot oh no they don't want to come to this one it's too far and but just no courtesy so we just need to have more manners in a little bit real of estate. etiquette, a little bit yeah. of nobility in the industry. Yeah, and just and, and feedback. The sellers are waiting for the feedback and, and use some care with, you know, what you're putting in there too. If if there's an odor or something, there's a nicer way to say that that the house stinks or something. It's like a, oh, you know, there's a slight odor, maybe, you know, check the whatever. So yeah, if we can bring some manners into real estate, I think it would just help. I like that. All like over. That. <laughs> Last question, where can people find you, connect with you online? You could plug yourself right now. What's your Instagram? What's your website? All that sure. kind of thing. Okay, so my Instagram is um, Debbie Winslow Turner. Mm -hmm. So is Facebook. Thanks to our great social media team. We've got all <laughs> the channels. YouTube, our website is www.turneren.com. Mm -hmm. um, and we also have LinkedIn. Thank you so much. This Thank you. Amazing. This was Absolute fun. Pleasure. Props right there. Thank you are you, the Anthony. best, Debbie. Until next time, this is What They Did Not Teach You in School. We are out. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at The Wise Investor. Until next time. This is What They Did Not Teach You in School. We hope to see you soon.